Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real-world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. Supply chain visibility is the key to unlocking a world of actionable insights, empowering organizations to make informed decisions, mitigate risk, improve sustainability, and enhance overall operational efficiency. Gone are the days of blind spots and fragmented data. With advanced analytics, emerging technologies, and interconnected systems, companies can now gain real-time visibility into their supply chain networks. Joining us today are Bill Wappler, the CEO of Surgier, Padmanabhan Raman, co-founder and CPO of OSA Commerce, John Dwinnell, Senior Vice President at Peak Analytics, and Robert Hanfield, Professor of Supply Chain Management at North Carolina State University. Robert, our first question is for you. What do you think is the biggest challenge with supply chain visibility? You know, the biggest problem in supply chains today is that, you know, you can't manage what you can't see. And, uh, you know, today, most people cannot see who is in their supply chain uh, beyond tier one. Unfortunately, you know, the tier one suppliers are not where the disruptions are occurring. They're occurring much deeper in the supply chain, often at the tier two or the tier three, your supplier supplier or your supplier supplier supplier. And uh, most companies have no visibility into who those suppliers are. And consequently, uh, they're flying blind. And it's like driving down the road without a speedometer or without a gas tank indicator. You don't know where you're going. You don't know how fast you're going. You don't know when you're going to run out of gas. That's exactly the comparison. And so I believe that what, what we need to be able to do is map out these supply chains. And, and supply chain mapping is an exercise that takes time. It takes a lot of effort. Oh, that's really insightful. Thanks, Robert. Building on that, Bill, from your perspective, what are the main challenges in mapping a supply chain to achieve that goal of end-to-end -end visibility? Well, there are several, uh, as you can imagine, because if you think about the challenge in front of us, what we're really doing is we're suggesting that we are going to deploy uh, technology that is going to provide us a glimpse into a daily reality for companies around the world. That's a fairly tricky thing to do. It, but if I narrow down what I think are our priorities to, to search through our relative to meeting the challenge, I really look at two things. I look at accuracy first and foremost. And today I would say that we're probably on a global basis across all technologies delivering about 80%. And you and I both know that that's not quite the accuracy needed to run a company. So we have to overcome that. The other thing that I think is a bit of a challenge right now is that it's a fractionalized environment. And by that, what I mean is that people are, are searching desperately for visibility. They are finding a number of companies that deliver partial visibility in different spaces throughout the supply chain. 
those are not totally connected yet. I believe they will be, and I believe we'll be dealing at accuracy much like uh, our role in this, which is to deliver 99.9% accuracy. Um, that's our role, but we don't play across the entire supply chain. So what we're constantly looking for is that amalgamation of technologies that provides that same accuracy everywhere in the supply chain. Those are two pretty significant challenges. To follow up on that, you mentioned an amalgamation of technologies. What do you think is leading the way or has the potential to lead the way in achieving higher accuracy in visibility? The way that I kind of look at it is not necessarily on a technology basis, but, but more so perhaps on a industry basis. If you look at industries such as pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals, because they are uh, driven by government policy and a lot of other priorities that are necessary to ensure very strict compliance and accuracy, you see a lot of technology that's going to work that uh, is overcoming the, the, the lack of accuracy and visibility. So as an industry, I see them kind of pushing beyond a lot of other industries. We happen to work um, in primary manufacturing, uh, automotive, a lot of other areas like that. We do some work in CPG, and I see them investing a lot of, of capital right now to get to that point of accuracy. And so I, I also see them moving quite ahead because if you look at CPG, they're driven by new Walmart initiatives. If you look at automotive and some of the other industries that are investing heavily in EV, they are quite literally redefining themselves. And as they do that, they're pulling technology closer and closer to be able to do that. And um, along with that is coming a, a much higher degree of accuracy and a much better level of visibility across their entire supply chain. It's quite exciting, actually. So at the root of this progress, I think I'm hearing collaboration plays a major role. Is that fair to say? Certainly. And I, I actually believe that collaboration is one of the keys to success. My first example that comes to mind, we uh, have been doing business with Honda for some time now in North America. We have 94% of their tier one suppliers um, on board as well. The reason that I have started to be more impressed with the, the success of collaboration is because when you have so many partners that have been joined together to solve the same problem, a couple of things start to become unearthed. Many times people have problems that they were never aware of, but you have such a large sample size that you're starting to have visibility to issues that really weren't evident in the past. And I've found um, that with several of our OEM clients, that's everything from the level of cubing in their trucks. It's things like how long are trucks actually sitting 
and waiting to be unloaded or they've been unloaded or they've been filled and they're sitting and waiting to go further through the supply chain and they are not progressing as people think they are. But when you get such a deep uh, relationship pattern going, then you start to uncover many of those issues. And so between the fact that now I have visibility that I haven't had, I'm starting to uncover problems that I was not aware of in the past. The last thing that really starts to happen is because, again, that sample size is so large, you finally have trend data that you can use across your entire supply chain. You know, when most people, as you know, in supply chain tend to spend their day putting out fires. And it's, it's a bit of where's the fire happening at the moment, right? And so you start making phone calls, you start doing lots of things in a reactionary mode. And most of the supply chain folks that, that I know, and I, I respect them deeply for what they do, but they're really great problem solvers. When you have a participation at the level of 94%, like at Honda, what you really do is you start to get proactive, you start to understand your trends, you start to get a little foresighted, and it really has a very positive impact on your success. That's really interesting. And to make this happen and really work well, you need to collaborate across many entities. Robert, what do you think the barriers are to this kind of collaboration? I think that's also a big barrier is, you know, people are very reluctant to share data. I've interviewed a number of executives about that, about, you know, are you willing to share information about your supply chain and, and so forth? And it's a big problem. And a lot of them are, are really kind of focused on uh, the legal ramifications. You know, they believe that legally there could be collusion involved. They're afraid the information will be released. And there are definitely some, some risks. Uh, anytime you collaborate to share data, there are risks. I've also written a, a report on cybersecurity. And you know, before you share data, you want to make sure that your suppliers uh, are trained and educated on how to avoid you know, phishing scams and how to eliminate vulnerabilities in their, in their data infrastructure. You know, if a cyber criminal comes in and penetrates their firewall, and they can get into their customer's firewall. So, yes, there are always risks associated with collaborating and sharing data. But again, you have to ask, you know, are the benefits of doing so greater than the risks? And how can you mitigate the risks through cybersecurity types of, of, of methods throughout the supply base? And I think, you know, all of those elements are kind of bundled together for sure. Oh, that's really insightful. Padu, our next question is for you. Do you think the pandemic accelerated supply chain innovation? COVID-19 actually has definitely helped in advancement in the supply chain technology, and especially looking at the visibility, right? There was an article, I, I think in CNBC or one of the uh, channels I saw, the prediction is that normalcy of inventory currently, which actually changed disturbed based on the COVID pandemic-related issues, is probably Q3 or Q4 of this year, when a normal seasonal cycle is. Think about it, it took almost three years to actually come to a cycle, and they believe it could be Q4. It could be even Q1, Q2 of next year. So it has actually triggered everybody, especially uh, the boardroom level, to think about how effectively manage this inventory because either you are out of stock or overstock. 
nobody is talking about a balanced inventory at this point in time. And it has always been a continuous aspect of it. So visible, everybody is understanding that visibility is going to actually help in getting to that normalcy as early as possible and then continue in a, in a predictable manner. The second aspect is the demand forecasting also, because even before the COVID, there was always difficulty in demand forecasting because what it used to be a single channel or a couple of channels, right? I have a retail flow. I'm a wholesaler. I have a predicted way of my flow of inventory and flow of uh, push and pull mechanism of inventory. The COVID actually accelerated the e-commerce, what it was to be a 10 years later, actually accelerated now. And now the second aspect is your customers are actually in different demand channels. So you want to be wherever your customers are. Customers are shopping in Amazon, Walmart, Target, have their own website or uh, specialized marketplaces, Etsy or many other marketplaces. Sheen is going to come to US very soon. People are shopping in Sheen marketplaces. So it's, it's going to be ever changing. So you want your brand to be everywhere where the demand channels are. So one primary aspect is with this advancement in the COVID, the e-commerce has accelerated. So you need to have your demand forecasting more realistic to understand from different demand, connecting to different demand channels in real, real time, making that communication journey to your planner, to your buyer, and to your manufacturer, looking at a single source of data and driving through visibility balancing and making the right product at the right time for the right price for the right cost, right? So that is the, the broader aspects of what visibility and what COVID has done in accelerating that. The other aspect is based on the COVID and influence in the technology, what we are seeing is almost there is an increase in $20 billion in market uh, availability for new technology to come in. So a visibility platform, connecting an orchestration flat platform, is a need of the hour because you have to, by default, talk outside your enterprise, integrate outside your enterprise to actually drive your cost, increase your revenue, and provide better experience and engagement with the customer. What are some key factors that drive this innovation? And what is the impact on businesses as they're forced to change and evolve to remain competitive? Technology is going to be continuously evolved. So think about 10 years ago, you had client-server technology. Now you're talking about cloud computing, blockchain. So ultimately, the technology, in future, you're going to have augmented reality. Apple launched augmented reality, which completely will change the way you're going to actually do any business in future, right? It could be such a way that you walk in, you do your cycle count by your mind. I mean, the sky's the limit. So it's a continuous aspects. But ultimately, it has to look at three fundamental principle. It has to solve an, a problem in a use case which ultimately helps in the financial aspects of the company. Either it should reduce the cost or increase the revenue and solve the customer's efficiency, customer's experience, and customer's engagement. Right? Ultimately, as long as it solves that, factoring in social factors, because social governance is very important, factoring in environment governance, and also looking at overall profitability, right? I think the future current maturity of technology is going to, again, focusing on increasing transparency, increasing and maintaining productivity, focusing on satisfying customer demands, focusing on helping the economy as a whole, 
whether to curb inflation, because if you change, looking at technology, managing overall macro and microeconomic conditions, and building trust among everybody, right? And ultimately focusing on the unified view of the information. So that thing, that's where the thing, the technology is going to evolve. Today, it's, it's, it's a continuous involvement. Thanks, Padu. John, we talked about visibility coming from sharing data between organizations, but many have concerns about the risk involved. How can the industry overcome that in the future? That's an interesting question. I think th there's certainly big challenges with that. But uh, as I understand, there's, there are some people involved in trying to anonymize data so they can collect the data um, across globally but not necessarily have anyone have to share specifically too much detail, right? So that aggregate motion of a product in the supply chain has value to everyone uh, without anyone giving up specific details. And then in situations where you want a more tightly integrated supply chain, you mentioned earlier about blockchain and, and the ability to have uh, you know, smart contracts and that type of technology. So, so now customers can share specific aspects of the information, right? So I think there's really a couple uh, layers, right? That anonymous, broadly, what's the overall numbers look like? And then specifically, we've set up a way that we can share information and we can be careful about what's shared and what's not shared and who sees it. I can show this to you, but you can't show it to someone else. So I think uh, a lot of advancement there. It's complicated right now, um, but people are, uh, the, you know, the technology is really catching up to uh, the business solutions. I think it's critical for people to understand that visibility is possible at the volume and detail that perhaps hadn't been imagined in the past. And then to understand that that visibility can be shared back with the suppliers because that's the best way to address those improvements. And if you can continue a process of improvement based on identifying all the little problems, you can keep peeling back at that more and more and making your operation more efficient, which is better for, for everyone, uh, including your suppliers, uh, when, when they know now that they've made those improvements and uh, there can be less cost for, for doing business. So. I embrace visibility. Padu, I would love for you to take this next question related to ESG. From your perspective, is visibility a key tool for driving ESG initiatives? Absolutely, right? Because your ESG model, which is primarily you're focusing on your environment, your social and uh, overall sustainability model, and, and regulations and government regulations that has come in and everything, there's a continuous changing needs. Your product and procurement mix is changing. You are moving from a different types of fulfillment. You're moving from an hyper-local fulfillment to a more of a, you're looking at a scale with proximity to op focus on the sustainability aspect. What it used to be a big centralized, now it's a more small local micro-fulfillment centers. You're looking at omni-channel where you want to have, customers want to be anywhere, anytime, anyhow, directions. Today, it's, I mean, one of the questions if for the, from a technology standpoint, today, customers used to shop in a retail store before. Five years ago, it, they started with e-commerce. Now it's mobile app. Now it's social. Tomorrow it's augmented reality. Now, uh, uh, without augmented reality, you have gaming, right? 
So ultimately, you need to have that framework which talks about end-to-end, -end looking at all factors, the economic factors, the social factors, and the productivity factors, and ultimately the profit for the business, ensuring that all these two people, planet, and profit, all three are connected together, and, and focusing on ultimately looking at customer engagement, employee engagement, and resources, natural resources, whether it's a labor, energy, or materials are effectively used. It's, and visibility is one way of managing that ecological balance. Bill, how is the increasing connectivity and utilization of data transforming how businesses meet sustainability goals and optimize their supply chains? Here's a couple of things that we have found. Remember, we're polling our clients every day, and we're doing something like 15 billion transactions a week. And so we see a lot of data. We see a lot of data across many industries. And what we've been asked for is to use that data for a couple of very high value targets right now. One being, uh, as, as you might imagine, it's how do, how do companies uh, meet the requirement of sharing data in the realm of sustainability? And this is not only environmental sustainability, but business sustainability, right? Um, those, those are key targets. Most folks that I speak to understand that supply chain problems that we've actually found to be critical in the last few years, right? If you think about it, we had a tsunami in Japan. We had a, uh, a freeze take place in Houston. We've had chip shortages. We've had, obviously, COVID. We've had impact after impact after impact of events that have had critical and incredibly negative um, outcomes for uh, business globally. So, so everybody's looking at this, and they want to know how to use that data to kind of preempt some of that. Some of the moves that folks are making are uh, relocating resources, um, whether it's from Asia to Mexico or, you know, we talk about nearshoring quite a bit. Um, that takes a lot of design. Data can help with redesigning and reconfiguring supply chains. One of the other things that people are doing is they're looking at um, their supply chain effectiveness relative to uh, the, how can I change and become more efficient, but also have a better sustainability score relative to my impact on carbon and, and the planet in general. And so, so data means a lot to a lot of people. First of all, they wanna become more efficient. We're resource thin nowadays. We want to, to have data help us reduce manpower where it's actually unnecessary, but people are using a lot of manual processes that can be overcome by the proper use of technology. All of those kinds of things are happening in data today. I would suggest from the, the data that we're getting from all of our clients and and the data that, that we're seeing from our systems and, and how they're operating. I would kind of say that, that what we're seeing is that 
the the big changes initially are happening internally and they are being externalized. And so it's really important for the folks in material handling, folks that you're associated with, to understand that much of the requirement of gathering data, gathering accurate data, feeding not only the internal requirements of data, but the externalization of that data um, is happening today. And it's it, much of it is starting internally. And then they're, they're bringing in then things like um, transportation. They're bringing in supply chain partners. They're bringing in distribution, all of those, those, those corollaries. Uh, and it used to be just the opposite. When we first started, you started externally and then brought it internal. And we're starting to see a reversal of that, driven by data. Excellent. Thanks, Bill, Robert, Padu, and John for joining us today and for offering your insights. Clearly, achieving visibility in supply chains through collaboration up and down the chain is absolutely vital for addressing the challenges and disruptions faced by businesses of all sizes. At MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to the next level of success. Thanks for making us part of your professional development journey.